All right. Today's lesson is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. And while they're handing those out, I'll put what you're going to be looking at in your hand on the screen here. And uh, let me enlarge this a little bit. You can see it a little clearer. All right. And then I'll focus it. Automatic focus. All right. And the amazing thing, this is called Palm Sunday. And it's the Sunday that preceded the resurrection. And it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing thing that happened. That Jesus was acclaimed to be the king of Israel just four days before he was crucified. Four days later, they crucified him. The same, I wouldn't say the same crowd. I think it was a younger generation and young people that really cheered him. But it was the Jewish people of that time who crucified him. Or they said, Let, and then the Romans crucified him. And they, they condemned him and he was condemned to death. And then Jesus, of course, uh, went before Pilate, who was the, we won't get into the resurrection part of it, but into the crucifixion part of it. But anyhow, this was just four days before because a lot of people think that Friday he was crucified. But if you count the times and everything, it's pretty well on, on a Thursday evening that he was crucified, Thursday that he was crucified. I said he was three days, three nights, just as Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. So shall Jesus be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So that had to be Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday night. Because Sunday he was he was up Sunday morning, it had resurrected. So anyhow, and of course a lot of our Bible scholars, conservative Bible scholars, pretty well follow that uh, understanding as well. Uh, now, I want you to go with me here to Matthew twenty-one one, twenty-one one. I'll read one verse to you and talk to you for a few moments here. And uh, <clears throat> I have instructions given out that if I go. When it's a quarter after 10, uh, if I'm not through, they'll be letting me know it's time to be through. Okay, so we will be going over. All right, God love you. All right, I'm reading here from Matthew chapter 21, and the uh, Palm Sunday is recorded in all four Gospels. It's recorded least in the book of St. John, but it's recorded in all four of them. And uh, this is Matthew 21, 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem uh, and were come to Bethsaida, unto Mount Olives, and before I, he sent two of his disciples, before I go any further, let me tell you what was happening here. Let me use this map here. This is sort of a, uh, sort of a, what do you call it? Gentile map, I guess you'd call it. And uh, Jesus had come down from Galilee up here. This is Galilee. He'd come down from up here and he'd walked down along the edge of this Jordan River down to Jericho, which is right about in here. Jericho is right there where my pen, point of my pen is, Jericho. And then from Jericho, he and his disciples went up to Jerusalem. Now listen to me very carefully on this. Jerusalem is 2,600 feet above sea level. Jericho is about 1,300 or 1,500 feet below sea level. 
if you go from Jerusalem to Jericho and it's only a distance, as a crow flies, it's only a distance of about 18, 15 to 18 miles. But the road wound around because it was so rugged. And I have been on the old, the old road many years ago when I was in Israel. I was on the old road one time. Now they got nice modern highways and it bruises right along. But back then they were walking trails. And uh, I'm just trying to say here that there was 3,000 feet they had to go up to go from Jericho. And so Jesus and his disciples had walked in Jericho. There had been two blind men, that, men that had been healed of their sight. And uh, Jesus then with his disciples went on up. So then he came on the outskirts of Jerusalem on the east side uh, there on where the Mount of Olives is. And, uh, of course, the little town there called Bethsaida. So I'm going to read this uh, first verse again. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, that means drew near to it, were come to Bethsaida and to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples. Now look at these next verses. Saying unto them, go into the village. And the village you talk about is Bethsaida. And that's the one that's on the east side uh, of the valley that they would have to go across and through and through the eastern gate into where the temple was and into the where Jerusalem was. And uh, he said, go into Bethsaida uh, in the village over against you straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Now look at this closely now. A, a donkey tied and a coat with her, loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, uh, you say, you shall say, the Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. That's the donkey and the coat. And, uh, of course, that's exactly what was done. And whenever they went there, these men did ask them that and so forth. Now, I'm just telling you that because when you read Mark and Luke and they say send for the, the donkey, they simply said it was a coat that he was set upon. And so Bible scholars say this, the way it happened, was that there was a donkey when he went there, and the, the disciples loosed the donkey. And the men said, what are you doing? You're taking our donkey. One of them was, they belonged to one of the guys. And he says, the Lord said he has need of him. He said, okay, take him. Apparently this man had been warned of God or visited by an angel or somebody or had a dream or something and knew that this donkey was going to be used for the purpose of the king coming into Jerusalem or Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He was the king, of course. And so they said, go ahead and, and take the donkey. Now, let me read another verse of scripture to you. This is the one found in Zechariah. This is in your notes now. Zechariah 9.9, if you look in, in your notes here. Let me... Uh, Incidentally, on this screen, you can't see it, but it shows Jesus riding on a donkey right here. These crowd of people, it's just a little picture here. But Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem, so they got this recorded even in that picture there, that map. Uh, if you look here with us, obtaining the donkey, this is where the Lord sent for them. This was uh, prophesied Zechariah 9 9. I'm going to read 9 9 to you at this point. Uh, Zechariah. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Zion. Lowly, lowly, 
Now, hear me on this, folks, before I read any further. Jesus did everything in a very humble, lowly way. He was God Almighty who came as a king. But he was not born in a royal palace. He was born in a manger where they had, where they had animals and he was laid in a little trough. You know, he was laid in, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which was clothes they used to sort of wipe up things around there in that little barn where they kept the animals. Jesus was born in such a humble environment. He grew up in Nazareth, which was a humble little town. In fact, one time they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because that was how humble it was. Jesus never exalted himself. He humbled himself in everything he walked. I was just describing to you how they walked up some uh, 3,000 feet up to Jerusalem from down in Jericho. And I tell you that to let you know that Jesus never babied himself, never made life easy or soft for himself. And he did it so that every individual could identify with him. If you're rich, okay, you can identify with him because he was king of kings. But if you were a poor man and you had nothing, you can identify with Jesus because he came with nothing and he left with nothing. He left it all right here. And I thank God for him for being like that and everything. So Jesus did everything in a humble way, even riding a donkey into Jerusalem when they want to shout and proclaim him the king of all of Israel. Instead of riding a white stallion, you know, white horse. Uh, which is, uh, I think Napoleon rode a white horse. Alexander the Great rode a black horse. He had a black one. And it was his horse. And they'd see him on that horse and they'd say, that's Alexander the Great on that black horse. Or, or Napoleon, is that's, that's Napoleon. And we can see him. He's our general. No, no, Jesus rode a donkey. You understand what I'm saying here? In a very humble way so that every individual, and I don't care what your background is today. I don't care where you came from, and I don't care who you are, or where you came from, or your, your background. I don't care what it is. Jesus understands it. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and he's able to save you, praise the Lord, out of the uttermost. I don't care what kind of sins you've been in, what kind of past you've had. Jesus understands it. Hallelujah. And thank God for that. So when you pray and you lift hands and you talk to Jesus... He understands everything about it because he's been right there in everything. Now, let me move on here. I want to finish reading this ninth verse. This is 9-9 of Zechariah. This is where it prophesied about him riding the donkey. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a coat, the foal of a donkey. So he would, Matthew record that too, that even, and, and Zechariah, that it was two animals. One was the donkey itself, and the other was the coat to the donkey. And the, and the word foal here, F-O-A-L, means he was an unweaned coat, coat. In other words, he had not been weaned yet from his mother. So the donkey was his mother, and the coat was one right beside him. Now, this is what it says that he came into Jerusalem and Jesus was setting upon that donkey and the coat when they came together. Now, I'm going to go back over here into Matthew a little bit 
And I'm going to show you here some things that happen. And before I get into Matthew, let me read some verses of Scripture that's also found in Mark and possibly Luke. Maybe I won't read Luke because they're both pretty well the same thing. Look at Mark 11.1. Mark 11.1. Praise the Lord. Thank you folks up there that always keep up with us on all the screen and the Scriptures and everything. God bless you for it. 11.1. And when they came nigh unto Jerusalem, to Beth, uh, Bethphage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now this tells the same thing. He said, go into the village and everything, a man will see and everything. And they, verse 4, they went their way and found the coat and tied by the door of the place and so forth. And uh, they said, verse 6, and they said unto him, uh, as Jesus uh, hath commanded, and they let him go. That's the coat now that he took. Now look at verse 7. And they brought the coat to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon them, him, the coat. Now, you said, how would he sit on the coat or on the donkey? What he did was put the clothes, they took their clothes off, their coats, they were, they're not their, all the clothes, but just their coats. And they laid it across, these disciples did, across the donkey and across the coat. And Jesus sat on the donkey and across the coat as well. Do you understand the picture here? That's why that Matthew and Zechariah describes him as being two animals there. The others just mentioned the coat because it was, it was just not, it was not what kings do. Kings, you know, ride that horse, big, you know, big fancy horse. And he's sitting on the donkey and a coat is tagging along with his mother because he hasn't been weaned yet. And they laid their clothes, they just laid their clothes there and everything. But it was all to fulfill prophecy and so forth. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they all record that, how that he came in that fashion. If I were to read uh, Luke, it'd pretty well be very the same thing. And they spread their clothes in the way and so forth and everything. Now, I'm going to read to you what happened whenever they went from uh, the Mount of Olives. They crawled across a little valley called Kidron Valley. It's a little shallow valley. And then they up, up on the other side, they come up onto the, into, into Jerusalem. It's not a very, very long way. It's just, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's very short. And, uh, down here down the street a ways. That's about it. And so they went in that direction. Now, I'm going to pick up here in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, chapter 21, verse 4. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled to was spoken by the prophet. Now, we just read verse 5. Tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh meek and sitting on a donkey and the coat of a donkey. And verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. I've already read that. Now, verse 8 is where I'm going. Everybody's still with me. All right. And a great multitude spread their garments in the way. Notice that. Great multitude now, a great multitude, a lot of people spread their coats in the way. Others cast down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say they put down branches of trees. It was only in John that he said they put down palms. This is what John says. I'm reading here from 12, 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees. Notice that. 
John says palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried Hosanna and so forth. Now, I say that to you because this is called Palm Sunday. And the word palm, the only place it's found in the book of John, but that was the branches they really put down. The other three gospels said they put down tree limbs, but not what kind of trees. But John specifies it was palm trees. So they put down these palm limbs, and of course they lay flat. And so they spread this out all through that, down that valley up the other side into Jerusalem for Jesus to come, and they worshiped him as he came. They worshiped him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And it was the Lord had prophesied it would happen. Jesus rode that donkey in such a humble way. And they uh, they worshiped Jesus. And they, uh, I'm going to read verse, I'm going back to Matthew 21, 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed, notice that, went before, crowd of people before the donkey, a crowd behind the donkey, cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now the word Hosanna, praise the Lord, the whole is very, very meaningful. It means save now. It's what the word Hosanna means. And uh, Psalms 118 describes it. I'm going to go to Psalms 118 here a moment. Psalms 118.25. This is where it's prophesied that these words would be say, said here. 18.25 and 26. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's what they were saying when Jesus was riding in on that donkey. He said, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that mean, and Hosanna is saved now. Look at the latter part of that 26th verse. It says, blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Now, blessed you out of the house of the Lord. It means we've blessed you and you've gone out. It means that we have blessed you outside of the house of the Lord. Now, God always appeared as God and King and Lord. He always appeared to the children of Israel in the temple, and they'd go to the door of the temple, and he'd speak to the multitude or speak to uh, the priesthood and so forth, and that's how he communicated with Israel. But this scripture says that they would praise the Lord and bless the Lord outside. And and this is what it says here. Uh, we have blessed you outside outside of the house of the Lord. This was unique, which means that this was prophesying Jesus was Lord. L-O-R-D means all capital letters means Jehovah God. It means the one God of the Old Testament means the I am. And so it, it speaks about the Lord. And so this 27th verse says, God is the Lord. The next verse in, in uh, Psalms 118 says, God is the Lord. Now I won't go any further on Psalms. But just to say it was already prophesied and they would cry Hosanna or they would cry out these words, the Lord save now, save now. And so they were saying in that essence, save now. And this is what all of those, uh, those people were saying as they were coming out. Now, I'm going to move a little further. I won't read all the verses. The, uh, they spread palm trees. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John mentions about the palm trees. I read Psalms 18. 
Their Pharisees criticized Jesus. Look at 18, 19. I mean, 19 of Luke. Look at Luke 19. I think I've got Luke 19, 38 there. All right. Luke uh, 1939. It's 29, it is. Let's see, 39, Luke 1939. Yeah, okay. Let me back up here. I'm sorry. I'm going to. Let me find the verse that I want to talk to you about. Okay, I want to go to Matthew 21 here. And uh, in verse, verse, uh, verse 9 says, And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10 says, And when he was coming into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Verse 11, and the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out then the soul and so forth. And before I get into that part of Jesus cleansing the temple, I just want to say here that the Lord, praise the Lord, when he went into the city and he saw the conditions of everything, he was moved by greatly. And people worshipped him, and Pharisees didn't like what he's what he's doing, and uh, they criticized it and so forth. And uh, Jesus said that if they did not cry out praises unto me, the very rocks would cry out praises, because there's gonna be worship at this time with Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And if you were to say to the people they can't worship and they did not worship, the the rocks would cry out praises. Jesus told them that. So they went on. Now, I want to bring it to a very important time because I realize that I'm on a time frame here this morning. Uh, I want you to go with me to uh, Luke here for just a moment. I'm reading here from Luke chapter uh, 19. And... uh, Verse 39, some of the Pharisees came to the multitude and said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. This is where Jesus said that. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if they should hold their peace, the rocks would cry out immediately. I'm in the 40th verse now of Luke 19. Now, look with me closely on this, folks. Stay with me on this. Look at the 41st verse of here of 19th chapter of Luke Luke 19:41 And when he was come near he beheld the city this was just before he came into the city itself he beheld the city and wept over it Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem And look what he had to say here in verse 42 read down 42:44 If thou hast known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace. If you'd only known what this day really means to you. But now they are hid from thine eyes. Jerusalem, you know, you're not, you're not seeing what the spiritual application is here. For the days shall come upon thee. This is a prophecy now that Jesus made. 
Days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side. This is Jerusalem now. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall all, they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Now, let me just say something about this time of thy time of visitation. That's recorded all through the Old Testament here where the Lord prophesied about Israel uh, having their time of visitation. Uh, I'm just going to read you a few verses. Here's Isaiah 10:3. What will you do in the day of visitation and in the desolation which shall come from far? This is a prophecy now in Isaiah. This is Isaiah 10:3. Uh, here's another scripture. I'm just at random here. This is uh, Zechariah, and this is Zechariah 8, 5. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? Look at verse 12. Were they, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, no, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall in the time of their visitation, they shall be cast down. I'm just showing you here how the scriptures uh, mention about this visitation uh, that would come upon Israel and upon Jerusalem in particular. Jerusalem especially here because it's capital city. Here's one other verse in, verse in chapter 7 of Jeremiah and verse 10. And come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say, we're delivered to thee all these abominations. Verse 11, and this house which is called by my name be, become a den of robbers of your eyes. And if okay, that doesn't mention about the visitation, but I'm just pointing out to you here several places in the Old Testament talked about visitation. When the Lord saw where men were trying to build a tower to Babel way back in the, in the fourth generation, I think, from Noah, they tried to build a tower to Babel. Uh, in, in Babel to, to the moons, what they were trying to do. They thought the moons right up there and they could reach it. And the Lord went down to visit them, the Bible said. He went to visit them and he saw their foolishness and he confounded their language where they could not understand each other and therefore they left off from building the tower because they were babbling to each other because they call it Babel. Babylon, that's where the name Babylon comes from. I'll just leave it there. Uh, then other times the Lord would visit Sodom and Gomorrah when they were steeped in sins, especially Sodom. They were in the homosexuality big time. And two angels went there. They went there to visit the Lord. Abraham asked the Lord, why, why have you come down to the earth now and walking around? See, the Lord doesn't have to come down among us to see. He knows. But he does it to, for us to understand that he doesn't do anything without really fully understanding exactly where we are. He does it for our sake. Well, he sent those angels to go over there and check it out and see if Sodom is really as bad as it is. And of course, you know how they went there and, and they tried to take them out in the street and, and, and mess with them and all that stuff. And the angels just blinded all of them and they couldn't see anything. And the next morning they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and all Four of the five cities of the plains, they destroyed them all with fire that fell from heaven. I won't get any further than that. But this is their visitation. So Jesus was prophesying here, Jerusalem, it's time for your visitation. Your king has come unto you. Your savior is here. And you don't even know it. 
You're not even aware of it. You're not on to it. These children are worshiping me and saying the king is the king is coming. And these Pharisees are standing back and doing, tell them to stop worshiping you. They don't need to be worshiping a man. They should be worshiping only God Almighty and keeping the commandments and all those kind of things. And Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem. And he wept. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew what was coming. And if you ever read Josephus, the book of Josephus, it describes what happened in 70 A.D. Just This was only 40 years later now. It happened. The Roman army came down, surrounded Jerusalem, put up fortification, had a wall around the city. They said, we're going to fight you. And they committed themselves to fight to the death. And that's what did happen. There was over 1,100 Jews that perished in Jerusalem. They'd come from all around and had gotten into the city and was holding up in there. 1,100 of them died. And mass numbers of them that were still alive were taken down into Egypt and sold into slavery. And the Jews were scattered all over the then known world. And from the then known world, it has become now the known world. That's why there's Jews all over the world today because of that 70 AD period of time. And Jesus knew it was coming and he wept over them. Now, folks, I want to just say this to us. Is our time of visitation almost here? Is it here yet? You understand what I'm saying? Things are shaping up in the world that lets us know it's not a time to be reckless or foolish and know that the Lord is coming back again. The Lord went away and he said, if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So we're looking for the coming of the Lord. And you say, well, Brother Myers, I spent 2,000 years ago. Oh, the Lord said a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years in one day. One place says that Israel should be blinded for two days and the third day I'll raise her up. Well, she's been blinded now for 2,000 years. And we're into that third day now. This is 20, This is 21. Am I right? It's a twenty. It's a twenty and, and year twenty-three. Yeah, twenty is the it's the it's the century of the twentieth. And uh, we're in that third day. So I'm just I'm just pointing out to you here. It's time. Praise the Lord. And you know, in our day of our visitation, is it here? And the Lord bless. We have a beautiful church. We have a place to worship. We'll have singing and music in here a little bit. And we'll have preaching of the word. And it's time to worship and glorify God. It's here now. But how long will it be here? How long? How long do we have? And I'm just pointing out this to all of us here today. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, get right with him now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Summer has passed and we are not saved. There's one place where the scripture says Summer's passing. We're not safe. I was talking about one of those when Israel was divided in the north and south. Summer's passing. We're not saved. And before the summer was gone, they were captured by a foreign country and completely destroyed at that point, at that time, at that point. So I'm saying to you and to myself even, it's time to be right with God. If you've got loved ones, if you've got friends, if you've got neighbors, don't be backward about witnessing to them, testifying to them, telling. Just tell them it's not long. The Lord's going to be coming soon. It's surprising how many people know about the coming of the Lord. And they've heard messages of that nature. And they wonder themselves, how much longer do we have? They got 
They've got trouble going over there. I understand now. I haven't even seen the news the last few days. I've been at the men's conference. I haven't even seen the men, uh, the news in the last few days. But they tell me that China and Russia, and now they're trying to hook up with Saudi Arabia and, uh, and, and Iran and I don't know, all kinds of other countries trying to hook up with them to make a, a united front against what they call the United Nations. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know things are you know, not looking good at all. And a few more minutes here. Let me get through some things here. Uh, when Jesus went into the into Jerusalem, he went into the temple. I'm going to go back to Matthew here again. And uh, Matthew 21, 12. 21, 12. Jesus went into the temple and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers. People was using it. And the seats of them that sold doves. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Then it says, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The Lord could do the word, but he cleansed that temple before he did anything. Because the temple, praise the Lord, was to be that anybody could go there and worship. You could you're a Gentile, you could not go to a, past a certain point. If you were a woman, you could not go past a certain point. If you were a man, you could not go past a certain point. Those were only for the Levites. And then there was a place that only the priests could go, and that was into the temple itself. I won't get into all the details, but there were barriers and limitations to it all and everything. And, uh, but whenever, uh, whenever the king prayed... Uh, let's see if I can find that spot. This is over in Second Chronicles. I'm reading here where Solomon prayed when he built the Temple of Solomon. This was the Temple of Solomon. No, I'm sorry. This was this was the Temple of uh, Zerubbabel that was here, Herod's Temple. Now I'm reading here from Second Chronicles chapter six and verse thirty-two. Six thirty-two of Second Chronicles. Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people Israel, that's, that's Gentiles now, but is come from a far country for thy great namesake, that's God's name, and thou mightest hand, and, and thou mightest hand, and thou stretchest out arm. If they come and pray in this house, that's the temple, then hear thou from heaven. Even from thy dwelling place and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for that all people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee and doeth thy people of Israel and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. And then other places of the scripture talks about that it's for all people to be sure for one day to be for all people. Uh, I've been to Israel three times. And uh, the first time I went there, uh, I went down to that, what they call the Wailing Wall or the, uh, the Western Wall. It's the Western Wall of the Temple. The Temple Mount is where there is the uh, Dome of the Rock of the, of the Muslim edifice that's up there. But down on the west side is where the Jews worship against that wall because that's as close to the old temple as they can get against that wall. Called the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall. There's a section for the women to pray, and then there's a men's section. And where the men's section, there is arches of an old bridge that used to be there. 
and they go under that into that dark area, sort of a shaded area, and they have chairs and things. They sit down there and they pray. They, they got these black hats, you know, and things, robes. Anyway, sometimes just skull caps, whatever it is. Ever pray? I remember going to that place, seeing the wall, and just walking down to the wall, and I was going to walk down there. And a Jewish woman began to carry on about me being a Gentile going down to that wall and praying. She was started caring and talking in Hebrew and telling these guides, these people that was there, he had no business going down to that wall talking about me. And they said to her, you be quiet. And they pushed her on. They took her and just took her and pulled her aside and she just kept on yakking. I said to my guide, I have a right to pray at that wall. And I said, it's in second. I knew where it was. I said, it's in second Chronicles where, where Solomon prayed when he built the temple that people that are not Jews can go and pray at this temple. He says, you're right. And that's why that you have the right to do that. And I remember going down to that temple, that wall. And they have all these little bits of paper where they write prayers and stick them in between the stones that are left. Now, all the stone, not one stone should be left upon another the temple. But now the outer enclosure, there is still stones that are there. And that's the ones that you can go up against. And, and it's, it's, it's like it's about as high as from about from the floor there up to about halfway up the screen. That wall is that high or maybe even higher. So there's a stones like that. And the cracks of these stones are all these little old papers that people have written prayers and stuck them in there. And I remember pulling one of them out, opening it up, and reading a prayer request. And I prayed for that person. I don't know who it was, but I said, Lord, answer and honor this prayer. And I stuck it back in there and it went on my way. I was there again the second time. This time I went back up in there. And I prayed among them, and there's some other brethren with me, a few others. We all prayed together. And then there was a third time, third time, the last time I was in Israel many years ago, and I'll never go back anymore because I'm past age of traveling that like, like that anymore. But I went down, and I walked down to the wall, walked down to the wall, and I stood there, and I prayed, and, folks, I felt the Holy Ghost. Man, the Holy Ghost came all over me just, just like this. Just, I just, and I know what I was feeling. I think of the Holy Ghost. And I started talking in tongues. Standing at that wailing wall, and I don't know what I was praying for. I don't know who I was praying for. I don't know what it was. But I felt the presence of the Lord. Another time when we were in the upper room, there was a bunch of people in there praying. And I walked over there and I went from our group. And I stood there with them and I started praying and I could feel the Holy Ghost. There was, I think it was a Pentecostal group. There was, there was a Hispanic, Span, uh, uh, Hispanic uh, uh, Pentecostal group because they were, they were worshiping the Lord and I could feel the Holy Ghost among them. I went in the tomb where Jesus was. I went in the tomb where Jesus had been. They said he had been there, buried, and he rose again. And I remember standing at the door and I went in and... and Usually there's two or three people going in and they're, going, they're waiting in the line to go in. I waited in the line and got up there. And it just so happened that when I went in, everybody else had come out and I was in there by myself. And I went into that thing and I said, this is where Jesus laid. I thought, oh my goodness. I lifted my hands and worshiped the Lord and praised the Lord, expecting to feel the Holy Ghost and felt nothing. Felt nothing. And when I came out, I thought, why didn't I feel the presence of the Lord in that tomb? 
This is where Jesus was laid, they say. Why didn't I feel the presence of the Lord? And I went on out from there. We went over to another place and sat there and we took, received communion. And I said, Lord, why didn't I feel your presence in that tomb? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, because I'm not there. I said, I understand, Lord, because I'm not there. I'm not there anymore. That's not where I am. When I came out and we had communion, I lifted my hands. Then I could praise the Lord. I felt the presence of the Lord. But I didn't feel it in that tomb. And the Lord let me know I'm not there. And that's where I really felt the joy of the Lord. The Lord is here. The Lord is there. But he's not in that old empty tomb. Aren't you glad he rose again? And that's next Sunday, folks. That's the resurrection. But you and I, praise the Lord, have the wonderful privilege of knowing the Lord and walking with God and serving him with all the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Jesus cleansed the temple, chased out all the money changers, made it clean. And then after that, he could do all these healing works. And he touched lives, touched hearts, and touched people in every kind of way. I want you to know it's a wonderful thing to serve God. And God's presence, folks, is so real. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, don't stop until you get it. Don't stop until you get it. The Lord wants you to have it. He wants you to have it. That's why he came. That's why he went over Jerusalem, because he knew that those people would never receive and never have what he had come to bring them. But one day they will, the Jewish people, but not that generation. That generation. So God help us in this generation to say, Jesus, give us everything you've got for us. Bless us, swamp us. Folks, this is the most important thing in the world right now than anything in the world. <clears throat> I don't care what's important to you. Serving God, living for God, having the presence of God in your life, the word of God, this is the most important thing in all the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together and worship God. Let's thank him. Jesus is so good to us. Oh, Lord, we praise you. Would you just lift your hands? Everybody in the house, lift your hands and let's just thank him today for his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for Palm Sunday. Thank you for riding into Jerusalem. Thank you for the healing that you did in the temple after you had cleansed it. Thank you, Lord, for your people that's here to this morning. Oh, God, help us to lead people to the Lord. Help us to get everybody saved that we can get saved. For we know, Lord, that it's your time, Jesus, on the face of this earth for us, us Gentiles. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.